0: Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855 853 4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online.
1: Tonight, a ghost likes to show up in the most peculiar of places. Trick or treaters see the fright of their lives. What was it that made this Halloween so haunting? And when a man discovers the gruesome body of his dead friend, how did his ghost return to leave a better final memory? And how do three young women handle ominous footsteps trailing through their home? Those stories, your calls, and more. Coming up at Real Ghost Stories. Online, I'm Tony Bruski along with Jenny Bruski. Hello.
2: Hello.
1: Tap by any ghosts lately? No,
2: nothing today.
1: Nothing today. No, no. we haven't been to the haunted airport yet, though. So. <laughs> yeah. I was going through uh, through the footage, and uh, I got nothing.
2: That's <laughs> uh, great. I thought you were going to say something.
1: I know you were, and you gave me that look like what, what showed up. I haven't seen anything yet, although I haven't gone through everything yet. In fact, I don't even think I've been to the part... Where you had the tapping. Because that was kind of towards the end of our filming with the interview. Yeah. And I don't think I've hit that part yet. So honestly, I don't know if there's anything there. Okay. But I got nothing so far. (laughs) We're talking about, in case you're just joining us, uh, yesterday's episode we mentioned uh, we were... Uh, filming uh, some stuff for the little short film we're working on, "Spirits in the Air," about a haunted airport uh, that our EPPs are going to get first access to uh, to uh, watch as part of being an EPP. And uh, when we were at the airport, uh, you got tapped, poked, tapped. Which was it, more of a tap or more of a poke?
2: It was more of a poke.
1: So, like, kind of, yeah, nyeh, nyeh. okay,
2: just like twice. You yeah, know?
1: yeah, okay. Anyway, um, it's a creepy place it's a haunted place and uh, I am interested to see if anything does show up on the video because last time we had something like that happened the video kind of went squiggly for lack of a better term squiggly <laughs> it went squiggly well I mean it's a digital footage so I'm, I don't know what the right word for it would be but it kind of got messed up and then it stopped immediately after so yeah. we'll see if anything happened at that point uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories online with your real ghost story of course you can always write into us 24-7 uh at realghoststoriesonline.com as well, and share your real ghost stories with us. If you're not an EPP yet, please consider becoming one. It's five bucks a month, or you can do the yearly option for 60 bucks a year. You get a bonus episode emailed to you every single week, exclusively for EPP members. And like I said, you're going to get in and uh, see the special video projects that we're working on for you months before everybody else uh, as an EPP. So check that out and sign up at Real Ghost Stories Online. That also goes to support the show and keeps us alive. Because without that support, the show would not be continuing on so if you like it support it that's how that works let's go to a caller to kick off the show today here at real ghost stories online hello
3: hey guys my name's libby i live in seattle um i just recently discovered your show and i've been catching up on some past episodes i just heard the episode where you had the uh, update from richard in chattanooga and i had a couple of things i wanted to say about what he said that i hope maybe can help shed some light on um, some of the things he claimed. So, first of all, I have to say that I honestly don't believe his story is real. (laughs) And maybe that makes me a jerk. And if his story is real and I'm not believing him, then I'm the jerk and I can only say I'm sorry. But um, part of the reason why I think I don't really believe that it's entirely true is because I am a professional fiction writer. Storytelling is my job. Um, And I, certain things about his story are kind of pinging my spidey sense for fiction, I guess you could say. Although I think his story is really interesting and very compelling, and I enjoy listening to both installments of it. um, I'm not entirely certain I believe that it is factual. However, if it is true, some of the things he mentioned um, I feel could use some clarification for his sake, as well as kind of for the edification of some listeners out there. The Egyptian symbol he described is called the Eye of Horus. This is a symbol that has been very, very old. Um, It goes all the way back through ancient Egyptian history, which spans several thousand years. It's a very long, long history. Um, It's kind of one of the specialties that I write about in my own fiction writing, which is why I know as much as I do about it. I've had to read a lot about ancient Egyptian cultures and beliefs and spirituality in order to um, tell my stories as well as I do. So um, the Eye of Horus consistently throughout the entire course of ancient Egyptian history has always been used as a positive symbol, as a protective sign. It was often something that parents would use to ward their children against negative spiritual influence. So when he said that his mother, who he claimed had apparently some interest in magic or something going way back, um, had encouraged him to get an Eye of Horus tattoo, that struck me as the type of thing that somebody who is interested in ancient historical magical practices, would choose for a child that she cared about and wanted to protect is that's the way the symbol was always used. Um, Even during points of Egyptian history when God's symbols and and purposes and um, the way people viewed these gods would change and and alter throughout the course of time, the Eye of Horus was always consistently and very unambiguously always a positive protective symbol, never something that was used for evil um, or for a negative influence of any kind. So um, hopefully Richard hasn't already chewed out his mother, if indeed this story is true, (laughs) because it kind of seems like the symbol um, would have been an act of kindness on her part if she shared these beliefs with ancient Egyptians. Um, Also, the box that held weird little locks of hair, um, I just wanted to point out that could have been uh, potentially some old, uh, ancient, we not, ancient, but very old family heirlooms, um, back in the Victorian era, it was very common for people to keep locks of hair in memory of people who'd passed away, or if somebody was going to be leaving on an extended trip and they wanted to have something to remember them by, they cut off little locks of hair and tied them, you know, with little tw- strings or twine or something and kept them as sort of, um, keepsakes. It's a little creepy and weird by today's standard, but nothing creepy or sinister was meant by it back in the Victorian era. Was considered a very very common practice and um, also a loving gesture to uh, express your love for somebody who had passed on or to keep somebody close to you who you wanted to be always with you so um, i hope that helps maybe shed some light on some of the things that richard spoke of Uh, i hope the story is not true and if i'm right and if it is indeed a work of fiction i have to say well done to richard for writing an excellent story Thanks, guys. I'm enjoying looking back through your archives and checking out all your past episodes.
1: And she cut off there. So, I'll let everyone open that box of warms up.
2: (laughs) Well, regardless of whether or not she thinks the story is true, she did have some very you know, good information on the Eye of Horus and the history on keeping locks of hair. So that was very interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, it was another interesting perspective on it, not just analyzing it from, from one direction. So I thought it was a great call. Yeah. And a really interesting, uh, interesting take on everything. I'll uh, open it up and uh, let Richard respond if he'd like to. Um, yeah, I'm assuming if he if he if he is making it up, and I'm not saying he is. I, I think it might be true. Um, that's kind of where I lean. But uh, if you'd like to come out and say I made the whole thing up, you may want to run for cover.
2: Well. <laughs> I, we had how many listeners yeah. email us saying they felt ill after hearing yeah, the EVP. I
1: mean, there was I, I really there was a lot of weirdness to that whole yeah. story. There was the EVP. There was a lot of stuff. So um, it's an interesting take, nonetheless. And I don't think he's making it up, but um, interesting nonetheless because then the symbolism doesn't make much sense. Uh, If it's it's not really necessarily a negative symbol if what she says is accurate if someone has another view on this or other factual things to back up what their view is I'd love to hear it.
2: Okay, I have another view on it. Yep. Okay. Well, being that he hasn't actually been the one picked on, it's been his family members. Yeah. You know, maybe that is what might be keeping him from not being picked on. Because what's Damn. driving him nuts, uh, literally, is seeing the demise of his family and the way his wife is, you know, just yeah. kind of withering away with all the stress yeah. and everything and his kids being harassed. But he hasn't been the object of direct physical contact or anything.
1: Did the mother know of some sort of thing that plagues that family and she wanted to protect her son from it? along the way I don't know there's an interesting thought That's an interesting angle. I don't know. There's so many angles that this could go. But uh, I'll leave it as there, as as what that was with that. Very interesting uh, insight uh, into what all that was. The locks of hair thing is kind of creepy. I've seen stuff on that before. There's a
2: hair museum. Yes,
1: I was just going to say, the hair museum, where uh, there's all sorts of art and everything done. In fact, I've seen some of that in antique stores before. Have you ever seen that Mm -hmm. where there's the encapsulated in glass? It's almost like shadow box ish, if you will. You know, we're very early shadow boxes. And you you go, well, what is the material used to make these designs? It's human hair.
2: Yeah, because it looks like a piece of art. And yeah. you don't really realize until it hits you. And then all you can see is hair. You don't see the art anymore.
1: Sure. So that's that's really interesting. Um, be interesting to hear what uh, what happened. If Richard cares to update us, if he uh, had a conversation with his mother, how that went, what happened uh I'm waiting for the next chapter in the story, <laughs> Sure. if you will. But uh, thank you for that call, and thank you for your insight. Uh, always uh, welcome insight on on any side of a story. So 855-853-4802 is a phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us. Let's go to a letter. Christy writes in. Hello, my name is Christy. I am 20 years old. I live in an old house that was built in the early 1900s. This is... When I was in grade 10, on Christmas Day, my brother Jamie had got a poster of Led Zeppelin posing. That day, he went to put the poster on his bedroom wall, which was uh, the basement. For some reason, he decided to take a picture of the poster for his phone. When he looked at the photo from the phone... He didn't just see Robert Plant posing. He saw another face on the poster that looked like a middle-aged man with short, dark brown hair and a black suit with a big grin on his face. He showed this to the whole household. That picture made us realize that the house was haunted. After that day, we had things being whipped across the room and unexplained guitars playing when no one was touching them. I told my friends about the house, which leads to the creepy part. When I told one of my new friends about my house, he said that his dad had grown up ...in my house. Then explained about the description of the unknown man in the photo. I remember seeing his face and he got, as he got very quiet. The next day he had brought in a picture of his grandpa named John Coleman. I said to my friend that the man in the picture... ...that he had brought looked like the man in the picture in my brother's phone. My friend said that his grandpa had died when his dad was still growing up in my house... My friend said that his dad had experienced some weird happenings in the house after John's death, like a man standing at the end of his bed at night. When I said my family have been hearing the guitars playing, he said that his grandpa used to play the guitar. A lot of weird events would happen, such as the radio blasting in the living room when no one was there, random shadows, shape of a man on the walls, and voices at night when everyone is sleeping. After a while, I started hearing a little girl's voice and an older woman's voice. I even have the recording of voices and the guitars playing on my phone. One time, when I and my family were sleeping in the living room, we heard and felt the vibration of a little kid running across the kitchen floor with bare feet that was just located in the other room. I and my friend investigated the kitchen, but we found no one. We were so scared. Another time, when I was eating breakfast one morning, I was watching two of my cats in the kitchen staring at the wall. That I saw both of their eyes follow to the ceiling and around the room. This lasted for about 30 seconds. I've also heard a little girl say, mommy is clear as day in the kitchen once. I have so many stories, but they're long. Thank you for your time, Tony. Love your show. Keep up the great work.
2: I think that's hilarious that he decided to show up in the picture of the poster.
1: <laughs> it, I would do that. That's a great way to screw with people.
2: It's a very old photobomb.
1: It really is. I mean, it, it's one of those, uh, I don't know, uh, show up on the Ghostbusters photo. That would be great. That would be funny. pops out of where the ghost is supposed to be. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting story. Um, and I guess it does make total sense for who it could be that's haunting the home based on those stories. You kind of connected all the dots there. Yeah. It's not a lot of people get to do. So. Right. That's interesting. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into us here at real ghost stories online let's go to another caller hello you are on the air
4: hi Tony and Jen this is Carrie um I've called you and let you in on several of my little stories but since it's even closer to Halloween I'm going to let you in on the one that has probably affected me the most there's nothing scary about the story in fact some might find it rather comforting but it's definitely strange. You can't dismiss that. Um, several years ago, a friend and I were a friend and I were going to the laundromat, and that's scary in itself. I hate it. <laughs> but we always went late at night when it wasn't crowded, and it, we just went by ourselves, and we would sit and talk while we did our laundry, and it was nice. We didn't have to worry about the crowds and you know fighting over machines, et cetera. So it was about 11 o'clock at night, I guess, and we pull up to this laundromat, and there's this large dog outside, and I've never been afraid of dogs, but I am always cautious when it's an animal you don't know, so I proceeded with caution, went inside, the dog never bothered me, and there were two men in the laundromat. It's just me and her and these two guys at 11 o'clock at night. And we're looking at each other, you know, we're a little uncomfortable with the situation. One of the guys is an older man, and he looks very ill. He looks like he's about to pass out in the chair. And the other guy is a younger man, probably in his early 30s, maybe late 20s. And he's on the pay phone. And now we're not trying to listen in on his conversation, obviously, but when you're the only people there, it's kind of hard to miss. And I hear him telling the person on the phone, If you needed help, I would help you. And suddenly he says, hello, hello, and he just hangs up the phone and he looks so defeated and he starts to cry. Now, me and my friend are looking at each other like, oh, wow, you know, (laughs) what do you do in this situation? So finally, I just looked at him and I said, sir, I'm not trying to, you know, get into your business, but. Is there something that you need? Can I help you in some sort of way? And he just broke down and started telling us this horrible story about how he had got here for a job, and then the job that he came for wasn't here, and that they had been staying in a hotel, the hotel that they were in got robbed, and they had no money, and they were living in their car, and then their car blew up, and they just were telling us these horrible things, and... My heart was going out to this man, but it was between paychecks, and I literally, after doing my laundry, I had $5 left in my name. And I looked at this guy and I said, I have $5, now I don't want you to be offended, it's all that I have, but if you need, you know, to get something to eat, it will help you, you know, would you take this money? And he was so grateful and was thanking me and, you know, and took the money. And I asked him, I said, is that dog outside yours? And he said, yes. And I said, how long has it been since the dog ate? And he looked a little sheepish and he said it had been a couple of days. So I said, okay, I want you to hold on. So I went and I asked my friend, I said, are you okay being here? And she said, yes. So I went to my house and I got... Um, a very large can of dog food and I brought it back with a bowl and I fed the dog and I asked the guys I said now can I take you somewhere and they said and the, the younger one said if you could take me through McDonald's through the drive through that would be great and see this was a Friday so McDonald's was open like to midnight that night so we still had some time so we go through he gets a couple double cheeseburgers you know, an order of fries and I bring them back to the laundromat and him and this guy are just like wolfing down this food. And, um, they come outside and they're talking to us and they, they're telling us more about their story. And the older man who looked like he was about on death door earlier, was suddenly very perked up and, and, you know, seemed so much better. And he was telling me that his daughter was a minister and that, He had never lost faith through this entire thing, and that he believed that, you know, Jesus was going to take care of him, God was going to keep his hand on him, and and he had so far, people had provided for them, etc. And after this dog ate, it just came over and laid its head in my lap and looked at me like, oh, thank you, thank you. And it just melted my heart. And I'm sitting here petting this dog. Everything is very, very real. Um, So... I say, well, I'm going to take her back so she can take her and drop her laundry off at home. And I said, and I'm going to bring you guys back some stuff because they told me that they were going to be spending the night in the laundromat because at least it was warm. So I, I, I went home and I dropped off my laundry and I got a bag and I got some things out of my kitchen, like, I don't know, I believe I got like Pop-Tarts and things that they didn't have to cook, you know, things that they could take with them. And I put all of this in a bag, and I go back to the laundromat. Well, there's no one there. And I thought, but they told me they were spending the night, that they were gone, the dog was gone. There was no one there. And, I mean, I live in a town of 7,000 people. You can't really miss someone walking around in this town. It's, <laughs> it's not very easy. So... I see a girl sitting outside on the step of the laundromat, and she's smoking a cigarette. So I go up to her, and I said, Hi, did you see where those guys went, the ones with the big black dogs? And she looked at me kind of funny, and she said, No, there's no one here. And I said, I know, but when I left a while ago, they were here, and they told me they were going to be here all night. And she said, I saw you when you were pulling out. I was walking up right behind you as you were pulling out and there was no one here and I said I know that there was two guys here with a dog we were talking to them, and she just looked at me like I was absolutely out of my mind and she said I'm telling you when you left this laundromat was empty no one has came and no one has left and I just didn't know what to say I was floored and I- I I didn't believe her, and I I looked around the town, and I drove around, and I mean, you know, this is one of those towns that 10 o'clock at night, everybody rolls up their sidewalks, and there there was no way that they could have got further than what I drove around and looked, and there was just absolutely no one there. Now, I don't know who I talked to, you know, call it a ghost story, call it an angel story, I I don't know, but I know that story has stuck with me throughout all these years, and it still gives me goosebumps to think about it. Um, you know, I guess when I went to the laundromat, I expected the soaps and suds, but I sure didn't expect the spirits. (laughs) So I hope you guys have a great night, and I hope you enjoyed my story, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.
1: That was a really interesting story. I It's one of those things where you try to, to dig into what was the meaning of, of seeing those people uh, for her. Was it one of those things where was she kind of feeling down on human nature and needing uh, something to let her feel or see that there's good in people? You know, is, is that the message of the story?
2: I don't know. I mean... It takes a special kind of person to literally offer your last $5 sure. to a complete stranger.
1: Yeah, and then for them to turn around and also be so grateful and kind mm-hmm. about it and not just like, thanks, bye, you know, and letting her see that, that giving can be a, a good thing. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of... I mean, maybe she already knew that. I mean, she probably did. She sounds like a very nice person. But I, I'm trying to find the meaning in it. I know? don't know. And I'm sure she probably has, too, because yeah. it, it doesn't seem like... because. Like, it it's kind of open-ended.
2: I think those stories where you just really can't figure it out. I mean, if you see a ghost and you know it's a ghost, it's a ghost. Yeah. But, one of those that's going to haunt you even more, because the the you just don't know.
1: I'd love to hear what our listeners think about that and out in the uh, the community if someone wants to start a thread about that one up on the uh, the message board and just get everybody's you know thoughts. i mean I, I I imagine when we read that we'll be like, "Oh, I never even thought of it that way. Somebody's going to have another take on that, yeah, but I just. It's baffling. It's a great story. Thank you so much for calling in and, and sharing. It's such a, a well-articulated story. Uh, 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. You can do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you're new to the show, we do the show uh, almost every day. And if you subscribe, please do. You get the show sent directly to you. You press subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, whatever you're listening to is on. Press subscribe so you don't miss any episodes of the show as we send them out to you as often as we possibly can. And pressing subscribe helps us uh, let other folks know about the show as well by growing us uh, in those rankings. Donna writes in, Hi, Tony and Jenny. I absolutely love your show and listen all the time. I have a couple of stories to share, but we'll tell you only one today. Here's my story. This took place back in the mid-70s when I was about seven. I lived in a beautiful dead-end road in a small main town. It was the day after Halloween, which makes it even a bit spookier in my mind. I remember that Halloween, my mom and dad dressed me up in the coolest mummy costume with ripped-up coffee-stained sheets from head to toe over my big boots. I thought no one would recognize me, and I liked that. The night we trick-or-treated down our road, getting our fill of candy, we came to the Keene's house, a kind of elderly couple that we'd often do favors for and receive uh, caramels for payment. Mr. Keene's hand was shaking wildly as he dumped a handful of yummy caramels in my bag. It scared me a little. He smiled and recognized it was me, calling me his little redhead. The next morning, after sneaking a bit of candy for breakfast... I hopped on my bike with my friends, as we always did, the, and, and rode through the breezy fall leaves. There were four of us, just having fun riding around. Then it happened. We reached the end of the dead-end road, and all saw Mr. Keene standing on his porch in his plaid shirt and his suspenders. We waved and yelled out hi to him. But strangely, he didn't move or acknowledge us. A cold chill went through my body, and tears filled my eyes as I realized something was very wrong. He was transparent. In a panic, and without a word, we all peddled as fast as we could to our homes. When I reached my front steps, I ran in crying that something was wrong with Mr. Keene. My mom was having coffee with a neighbor and tried to calm me down. I explained what we had seen when she told me that Mr. Keene had passed away the night before. I felt the blood leave my face. My mom still recalls this day, and we've spoken about it several times. I even reconnected with one of my childhood friends on Facebook. I was there that day, and sure enough, she repeated the story as she remembered to me, and it was identical. Because of this, I've always believed in ghosts. I have, no doubt.
2: That's a good story. Especially since it was around Halloween, you know? Yeah,
1: it's like he was just kind of saying goodbye or doing his thing and getting ready to pick up and leave and head to his next destination. That was a really good story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. You can call in 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, or you can write into us through the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. If you're not an EPP yet, please consider becoming one. You get a bonus episode every single week sent to you and access to our archive of previous bonus episodes and there's at this point seven or eight of them. I, it's right around there. Anyway, you get all those bonus episodes and this week's bonus episode when we send out that email and that that donation you're making that five bucks a month or if you do the full year at 60 bucks, the one time payment for the year uh, that goes to keep our show alive. Uh, that funds all of the costs we have with doing this show. And believe it or not, there's a lot of them. So without that support, we could not continue doing the show. So if you like the show, please consider supporting the show. That's what's keeping it alive is, is your support and uh, and generosity by becoming an EPP. So please do think about doing that. Let's go to another caller at 855-853-4802. Hi,
5: Tony. My name's James. Um, Just heard your story or uh, someone else, someone else had called in about a uh, watching the Exorcism on Millie Rose. Uh, I, I, I personally have seen things and you know shared stories with my mom, like pretty much as long as I can remember. And uh, I seen that movie alone once, and it, it creeped me out, but it was all right. But the second time I tried to watch it was with my girlfriend well actually I should say fiancé a couple years ago and we tried to watch it I was in my room with my you know I live with my grandparents and um, maybe like 20 minutes into it uh, one of the scenes where she was first getting contacted at like 3am it was late for us we were watching it and uh, my bedroom it it was small and I had a closet that was under a stairs and uh, one of my, my I had a couch in my room it was two seated it was right next to my TV, but the wall was rounded, like behind it was the hallway into our apartment. But uh, she was sitting on a couch, and I was sitting on my bed, you know, parallel to um, my TV, and as the scene was happening, we heard scratches on the wall by the hallway. So we paused the, the show, and we were listening quietly, and then the scratches happened again. So we ended up deciding that to turn off the show, or the movie I should say, and uh, we we ended up not watching it anymore and the scratches stopped but uh, since then I've never been able to watch that movie again without something strange happening, so I just wanted to share that with you uh, I love this show I'm watching it listening to it for about two weeks now I just found it on the app uh, it's a great show and thank you for having it and I'm trying to figure out how to sign up for it and
2: whatnot but uh thank you and hopefully I'll hear myself on your show later on thank you for the call I think he's not hung up yet there There we go go. (laughs) um I just can't do the scary shows because inevitably I'll hear something and it's probably something I've heard a thousand times and it freaks me out but to hear scratching especially when you're watching a movie like that Mm -hmm. there's no way that I would watch that.
1: It's interesting when you get movies like that that really, you know, they touch a nerve because they're somewhat based on a, a true events and true stories, and then what bothers me is when they start, and we talked about this before, is when they actually do start to, like, name off demon names and things of that nature. That's just like, uh, okay, this is getting a little bit too real for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean I'll mean, i watch them and everything, but it's it's like, I get it, they're doing it for effect, but at the same time, that effect can also have effects. You know? Yeah. So that's that's what's kinda weird me out. Of it. I wonder if anyone else out there has has had any paranormal activity uh, coincide with watching a film like that. It'd be interesting to hear some of those stories. If anyone has anything, uh, either bring it up on the message board or, uh, or give us a, a call or an email. Uh, 855-853-4802. That's our number. Let's go to another letter. Jim writes in your most recent episode mentioned someone smelling cologne under ghostly circumstances. I've hesitated to tell my story, but after hearing this, I've decided to share with you the creepiest moments of my life so far. In the summer of 2003, a very close friend of mine named Mike passed away under gruesome circumstances. He was being forced to retire from his position with the University School of Music. He spent the summer drinking heavily, and no matter how often I called, he didn't answer or return my calls. When school started up, no one had seen him. I went to his house and found him, though I knew the moment I opened the door of my car that something awful was awaiting me in that house. The stench was ghastly. The police and coroner removed what they could and eventually ruled the death was accidental. He had been dead for eight days inside a house with no air conditioning in the Alabama heat. Mike had very few friends, so I and another person had to clear the house out. I cleaned up pieces of my friend that day. It was horrific. Later that fall, I was invited to an audition I frequently spent late nights practicing in the concert hall alone, long after the building was closed. During the holiday break, when students went home, the campus became serene and the music building was pretty empty. That's when I got the best work done, free from distraction. However, one night around 3 a.m., I was quite distracted as it became apparent that I was not alone. While practicing, I kept hearing... The floor of the stage creaked and saw the flooring over the pit dip from weight. Each time this happened, I would stop playing my horn and the motion I sensed would cease. After two or three rounds of this, I said out loud, What the hell is going on? The footsteps suddenly began coming directly towards me in a brisk cadence, but they stopped right in front of me, though I saw nothing. Believe it or not, I wasn't really frightened because I didn't feel threatened. I felt more like a pranking boogeyman. I grinned broadly and said confidently, Mike, knock it off. I'm preparing for an audition. After a few seconds, the reverberations of my voice petered out. The footsteps retreated, and I thought I heard a sigh. That was enough for me. I put my horn away, cut the stage lights off, and in in the pitch-black darkness, made my way boldly through the corridor backstage to the exit. As soon as I entered the corridor, the temperature dropped suddenly, and as I opened the door with the light pouring in, I saw the condensation from my breath. The door shut with a loud slam, and I heard a wash of noise, roughly like white noise. Then I smelled Mike's cologne. He wore something that smelled very distinct. There was no mistaking it. I won the job for which I auditioned, but I have returned to that music building on a few occasions. I promise you, that place isn't normal. Rumor has it that the music building was built on top of a mass Civil War grave. The housekeepers relayed stories of seeing Civil War-era apparitions and having their vacuums unplugged in situations that a person could not have done it without being seen. Again, I've never felt threatened there, but I also uh, never feel alone in that building.
2: I think it's kind of nice that the ghost came back so that he could smell the cologne, and maybe that be the last smell he remembers of his friend.
1: Rather than his rotting flesh?
2: Yeah. Wasn't going to go there exactly, but I was going to say it the way I said it, but then you threw that in there. That's gross.
1: <laughs> I just had to throw it out there.
2: Yeah, I know. That's gross.
1: Rather than the decaying, lifeless body of his friend that was... Sitting there with maggots crawling all over.
2: (laughs) No, that's just rude. Come on.
1: I'm trying to sound spooky.
2: No, he lost a friend.
1: That's true. I should be more nice about that. I'm just trying to be spooky for Halloween.
2: More nice? How about nicer?
1: Nicer. I'm trying to be more nicer. That's even better. There you go. (laughs) More nicer for the bestest month of the year. (laughs) (laughs) I have some uh, jalapeno chips later. Look out for the Reikens. 853-4802 is our phone number. Five people got it now. Yeah. I think we've had five people confirm that they've gotten some of those jokes over the course of the show.
2: Maybe if it's just five, we should let it go.
1: I enjoy making them. I enjoy It's kind of like a little communication directly with them. You know?
2: Nobody loves a Tony joke quite like Tony.
1: Exactly. Eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two 4802 is our phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online. Hello
6: hey Tony and Jenny this is uh, Reese calling from Atlanta Georgia and I'm at work right now and uh, I work at target in the back room and whew. it was weird um, this like literally just happened like two minutes ago I just ran back here and I was like oh I gotta I gotta call these guys and let them know <laughs> um, but I was up in the front of the store and there was um, a man standing to my right and he was in um He was looking at, like, pens and pencils. It's, like, the stationary section. And the aisle behind him, like, what he had his back turned to was notebooks, like, spiral-down notebooks. And I was, um, I just sort of, like, had looked over at him. You know, I was, like, I had something in my hands. I was just, you know, whatever. I just looked over there for one reason or another. And right as I looked, I swear, this spiral-down notebook flew off the shelf and hit him in the back. And it hit him so hard that he like yelled out, you know, and he was really confused and he was looking around and I walked over there and I was, you know, like, Oh my God, what was that? <laughs> and he had no idea. There was no one else in the aisle. There was no one around the notebook just went straight across and hit him in the back. And that was weird. And <laughs> me being me, you know, I see that happen and automatically in my mind. I was like, Oh, I have telekinetic powers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, just figured I would call in and let you guys know i'll uh definitely call if anything else happens today. I'm like keeping an eye out now because i don't I don't know if my building is haunted or what it's weird um yeah I've got some other stories uh the house that I'm living in right now has had some weird stuff happen recently and uh I don't know I always just like I can feel things when I'm in there at certain times of the day it's It's really strange um but yeah thanks um for hearing my story. I love you guys' show. And um, I'll call back sometime, sometime in the future. All right, bye.
2: Okay, if you could haunt any store,
1: what one would it it be? I'd probably haunt Target. You would? Yeah, I mean, there's always something to look at at Target. I enjoy Targets. You?
2: Maybe Sam's Club, so I could have samples all the time.
1: That would be kind of awesome. Yeah? That would be, yeah. Huh. Yeah, yeah, there's samples at Targets, too, on Saturdays. You just don't get them every day. Right. But yeah, so you're assuming you'd be a ghost that could eat then, too.
2: I'd try to. It probably wouldn't work out too well, but it wouldn't stop me from trying.
1: I don't know that all ghosts get that ability. I don't know what you have to do to get that, but I think that would be...
2: Whatever Slimer did, I'm going to do.
1: haunted targets. Yeah. That's interesting. I that And I'm surprised that the man in that uh, aisle didn't think that the... Uh, I mean, didn't uh, think that the employee him the man who called in uh-huh. didn't chuck the thing at him and went and complained he's like your employees you're doing this i'm surprised he too somewhat considered the option of it being a paranormal activity
2: well if he did go and complain you know there's cameras all over that store so hey. they could check that out
1: uh yeah i think that should be looked into a little bit yeah if uh, and Target has like a crazy security team, I mean, it's like they have it, it more than like most stores. They right. actually have a very uh, in-depth security team. So that'd be interesting if, if they could find that and see what happened, because that could be a pair piece of paranormal activity right there caught on camera. Yeah, he should look into that. Let us know if he finds anything out. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Leanne writes in, just a heads up, I'm a journalist and a radio personality, so I'm pretty passionate about storytelling, so I apologize if this runs a little long. I'll start off by saying I've always been a sensitive of sorts. Those abilities have been going quite a bit in the last few years. I have a number of stories I'd like to share with you as time goes on, but today... I'll tell you about one in particular. It happened back in the summer of 2010. I was 20 at the time, and my best friend Melissa was spending her summer working at a theater company in a small rural community in Newfoundland, Canada.
2: It's Newfoundland.
1: Newfoundland. I'm sorry.
2: No, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. No, not Newfoundland. Newfoundland.
1: Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Let's go on. Let me say it right. Newfoundland. Newfoundland.
2: No, she wrote out how to say it.
1: I'm looking at what she said. Newfoundland. There you go. Newfoundland. Okay. Is it lind or land?
2: I think it's, you say it as lind, but it's Newfoundland is how it's You're like
1: down with the Canadians.
2: Yeah, I know. Well.
1: I'm usually the one who's sticking up for Canadians.
2: The thing is, she took the effort to make sure she wrote it was not this way and not that way, but specifically Newfoundland. Newfoundland. That's as good as it's going to get. So let's go on.
1: <laughs> I'll never pass the Canadian citizenship test. The community, which was called Newtown. Newton? Yeah.
2: That, New- Newtown? I think Newtown. Newtown? Anyway. Newtown? Kay.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Newton? Like New- Fig Newton? I
2: don't
1: think so. Is home to only about 400 people, and we settled back around 1850 or so. The locals have their own tales about hauntings in their historic barber houses. The barber family was a very prominent one in Newtown way back when. But my experience had nothing to do with those buildings. I and my friend Laura packed up her little Honda Civic for a long weekend visit to the tiny, picturesque town on the North Atlantic. The theater company Melissa worked for provided their staff with homes to live in rent-free during the summer. Hers wasn't too old, probably built in the 70s sometime. When we arrived, it was late at night. Newtown was about an eight-hour drive from home, not to mention we got lost along the way. When we arrived at the house our friend was living in with three other actresses, the house was filled with great energy. It was after that night's performance, and the cast were having a party. Everyone was drinking and laughing, just enjoying one another's company on a warm summer night. The sweet salt air flowing into the large picture windows in the living room after Laura and I had reunions with several friends and were introduced to the new faces, we followed Melissa down into the basement where her bedroom was. After several, people, after several phone conversations with Melissa leading up to this visit, it was no surprise to me that as we rounded the L-shaped steps descending towards the bottom, the energy changed dramatically. Melissa had told me of her feelings of oppression down there like she was invading someone's space. She was actually pretty interested to see how I would react down there, because during our 17-year friendship, she's become very aware of my sensitivities to energy and the like. Once my foot hit the floor after the last step, it was as if someone had placed one hand on my chest, the other on my back, and began to squeeze the breath from my lungs. In no way did I feel welcome down there. Had I been alone, I probably would have taken off running up the steps, but... It was my bedroom for the weekend, so I just thought to myself, alright, you just won't just won't spend any more time down here than you need to. You'll be fine. It's just for a few nights. The first night was okay. I mean, I didn't feel great about being down there, but I looked uh, comf- uh, I took comfort in knowing that I was sandwiched between two of my best friends. I was able to get some sleep, and it really wasn't that bad. We got up and spent the entire next day out of the house exploring sights because Newtown truly is a beautiful place. As the evening drew closer, we headed back because the actors had to get ready for the night's performance. And when they headed off to the theater, I and Laura stuck around the house, to get ready ourselves. The entire time we were there alone, the energy in the place grew increasingly heavy, like it was gearing up for something bigger. I tried not to think about it too much. I was there for a fun weekend, not to be scared shitless. So I just did my best to go about everything as normally as be and laid back as possible. After the show, Melissa, Laura, and I headed back to the house and the other three actresses that lived there. Everyone was pretty tired after the long day and started winding down, pouring a glass of wine. Changing into comfier clothes, we decided to all hang out in this walk-in closet. The girls had turned into a pretty epic little zen hangout space. It was actually the one place in the basement that felt kind of okay. They nicknamed the closet Christopher Walken and decorated it with Buddhist imagery and dim lights. It was very relaxing in there. It was also where the girls kept the hookah, so we made uh, our way down into the basement to settle in on the cushioned closet floor for a while. Melissa was on a speakerphone with her then-boyfriend, Tom, who was a mutual friend to us all. We each had our own little conversations going on amongst us, and Melissa's cat, Lewis, was also in there, not wanting to miss out on any of the action, taking advantage of all the hands available for petting purposes. All of our giggles and chit-chat were silenced very suddenly after hearing something above us. It sounded like big, heavy boots stomping across the living room floor. It freaked us out, but one of the girls suggested that perhaps it was Sean, one of the other actors, who had said he might drop over a little later on. It was odd, though, because not one of us had heard the front door, which needs quite a bit of force to be opened and closed. There's no way to come in or out without being heard. We brushed that aside... At least I did, begrudgingly. Holly, one of the actresses that lived there, picked up Louis the Cat, and we all followed her to the landing near the bottom of the staircase. The lights upstairs had been turned off, and we all kind of crowded around the landing to see who was up there. We called out Sean's name, hoping to hear him yell back, but we heard nothing. That's when Louis turned her head to look up the stairs. I'll never forget the look in the cat's eyes when she did. Her pupils became the size of saucers, and she just started freaking out trying her darndest to get out of Holly's arms and away from the stairs. The cat did manage to get free and ran behind the washing machine where she stayed until morning. to say we were all pretty creeped out. We ran back to the walk-in closet, and at this point, Tom, who was still on speakerphone, was yelling at us to please tell him what the hell was going on. Turns out he had heard everything, even the heavy footsteps. Someone else called Sean to see if he had come over and to stop messing with us if he was in the house. He sounded pretty confused and told us he had his roommate were at their place on the other side of Newton or Newtown. They both came over with their baseball bats when we told them what happened, thinking perhaps they were going to find an intruder. When I saw them come in with those bats, I couldn't help but laugh. I knew we were dealing with something not of the physical world. So the bat wasn't going to do any good. Either way, they did a walkthrough with their bats and determined no one was in there that shouldn't be. They stuck around for a while longer until we decided it was time to turn in for the night. I really didn't want to sleep anywhere in that house, but also didn't really have much of a choice. Melissa, Laura, and I climbed into Melissa's twin bed and tried to get comfy. Eventually, we all managed to doze off for a while. I'm not sure how long, maybe an hour or so. Then something pretty wild happened. I don't exactly know what caused this exactly, but all three of us shot up in bed with a gasp at the exact same time. All the blankets had been ripped off the bed and placed in a pile in the far corner of the room next to the closet. Melissa flipped on the main light. At that point, all we had were some Christmas lights strung up above the bed because there was no way in hell we were sleeping in complete darkness. She grabbed the blankets in the corner, told whatever it was messing with us to screw off and jump back in bed. Whatever it was, did screw off for the rest of the night at least. But all summer, Melissa and her housemates were plagued by paranormal activity. Thankfully, it was never violent. However, I feel that whatever was in there has the potential to grow into something pretty malevolent if given the right environment. This is just one of of many more intense paranormal experiences. Like I said, my abilities have been getting stronger. And with that, so too do the experiences. I had a pretty wild one this weekend while camping, but I'll save that one for another time. Perhaps I'll call in for that. Take care, guys. Thanks for giving us Paranormally Affected Folks a platform to share our stories. It really does help. Until next time, Leanne in Alberta, Canada.
2: That was a good story. I hope she calls in with her camping story.
1: Yeah. What do you think that was in the basement of that house?
2: Just some kind of presence. I mean, really and truly, I don't think it was anything that dark. Just just a ghost. You know, something that wasn't supposed to be there.
1: I, I, I would feel uncomfortable with almost anything, I think. Good or bad. Yeah. You know, so I, I get where you can kind of feel things would be darker than they are, kind of like how she was saying that. Mm-hmm. I think I'd probably feel the same way, just always erring on the side of, you know, negativity, <laughs> if yeah. you will. But with something like that, I, you know, I, I don't blame her one bit. Very interesting story. Thank you for uh, for uh, writing that into us. We really do appreciate that. The phone number is 855-853-4802. One more call for the show. Hello.
0: Back when I was in, living in Dunsmuir in high school... I was uh, living next to a house that was next to it used to be a laundromat, but it's now like it's now a house. But it, it's right next to a morgue that was um, I don't know the word, uh, revented, revamped into a a, a a big mansion, and I would used to do dishes and stare up at the top the most top window all the time thinking that there was someone staring at me but, but by the time I looked up there there was no one there but in, anyways in, in the house that I was living in there I used to sleep in the four-year-old's room because this four-year-old I will not be giving her name was used to um would not go in there at all not even to get her toys at all um and I used to hear scratching noises. Well, I, used, I come from a big town, never heard scratching noises before. I told my mom and she told me it was um, raccoons that were probably in the attic, messing around with things. So I just thought they were raccoons and she told me that. So we went on for a few weeks and um, her cousin came over and me and him went into the four year old's room around like I want to say eight o'clock ish to well pick up some of her toys because their toys her toys were always scattered everywhere and their scratching noises started and he was just looked at me and goes what the hell is that well I told him what his cousin told me that they were raccoons it's like no those aren't fucking raccoons Oops, sorry those aren't raccoons because they were that was way too loud for the raccoons and raccoons didn't make that kind of scratching noise. And so we brought his cousin in and she was like, holy cried. that's the same thing. Do you want to sleep in the front room? That's not raccoons. Do you want to sleep in the front room with me? And I said, no, I'll, I'm okay. It's just scratching noise. It's not like there's anything inside. And we just joked it off, laughed and laughed. And well, later on, once um, her cousin laughed and we were laying down in bed, and, well, they were laying. Her and her daughter were laying in bed in the front room. I was sleeping in the daughter's or the daughter's room, and I ended up waking up like in the middle of the night and looking at the windows and seeing four black shadows in perfectly perfect shapes of a human, of humans, standing at my windows. Well, the windows that are there. Where they were standing, it's physically impossible for someone to be standing there unless they are balanced on something, and or ten feet, 10 feet tall. But anyways, they there was four shadows sitting there, at, or standing there at the windows, and it, I instantly started freaking out, thinking, "Oh, holy crap! Someone's people are watching me through the windows." But they weren't. It felt like they were trying to come in, but they they couldn't come in. And when I looked at there was a bigger window where someone could climb through the window if they wanted to. But um, I looked at that window and there was another shadow figure inside the room staring outside. Instead of the like the other four that was staring inside, this one was staring outside. It felt like it was keeping whatever those things that were outside from coming in. Well, I, I was freaking out. I well, in panic. I was in complete panic. I, I didn't know what to do. I just sat there. I was freaking out. But I was sitting there looking at the one that was in the, in the room with me thinking, oh, shit, that one's going to try to do something. I don't know. I just sat there, stared out the window, and then it slowly turned to me, and just, it, I, I, don't, I don't know really how to explain it. it, it without a face, it, it seemed like it was smiling, but there was no face. It, and it just, and it said, even though there was no face, it said, just don't call outside. It, it, all, that's all it said before it disappeared. And the next day, I packed up all my stuff, and I moved out. Um, I ended up finding out several weeks later that the people who lived in the morgue, we used to call them the corns, <laughs> um, in the neighborhood, because, well, they just moved in and all that. It turned out that the, one of the sons that was living actually in the room that was uh, the first window that I used to stir at when I was um, washing dishes, he ended up. Um, going in his room, there was a, um, a, I don't know what exactly it's called, but it's like a star with a circle, uh, an upside-down star with a circle around it in his room. And he used to try to, he painted over it, he would scrub over it, no, ma- no matter what, it would always come up. And he ended up actually... Get, becoming very aggressive and they had to um, call the police and the mother actually had to send him back to his father because of the, and he used to be, a, he was a complete sweetheart. He, he never hurt anybody, but his mom had to send him, send him away because of the fact that he was becoming extremely aggressive and kept complaining that he would hear voices horrible voices telling him to do horrible things and when he moved out he became better he became real better but even to this day as far as I know I moved completely away from the town I'm still afraid to this day that if I look through my windows at night that I will see those shadow figures I cover my windows every night to make sure just in case I don't see them but um, uh, for the fun I have I don't know exactly what went, what's going on with him, but I do know his mother still lives in that morgue, and she has, because uh, of the I helped her, she has completely blocked off the top bedroom where her son used to sleep. She, her, the dogs will not go in there. She will not go in there. She completely. Um, basically nailed it shut to make sure no one would go in there because it seemed like anytime somebody would go into that room they would become incredibly aggressive it doesn't matter if the person was doesn't believe in fighting or not they would be they would just instantly become very angry and wanting to hurt somebody um i it's, this has been about two years ago, so I don't know if the mother is still living in that morgue. I hope she has if she does if she does, she's gotten whatever it is oh gone. But I'm not quite sure if she's still living there or not. I'm hoping she she got it either gone if she did or she moved the hell out. But Dunsmere's always been a um, completely um, sup- I like guess supernatural place I guess you would say because that's not the only thing that's ever happened to me in that town. Another time I was walking on my way well on my way to my uncle's and um, I started hearing laughter only it, it was a mixture of laugh almost like a hyena's laugh but th- th- was growling completely. I turned around and I I walked the long way home that day. Um, I didn't see anything, but it sounded like it was standing right next to me, laughing right in my ear. Um, That's how loud it was. And when I asked my friend who lived right next to the trail that I would take to get home, the shortcut home, she heard nothing at all and neither did her husband um those were anyways that I'm probably going to stop now that's those are the only two ones that really scared me that happened um I, I might call him again to explain some more things that happened but um well have a nice day and,
1: Thank you for calling in to Real Ghost Stories Online and sharing your, uh, your story with us. How would you like to uh, live in a morgue?
2: Uh, no.
1: That just doesn't seem like the best of... Uh, how do you sell a place like that? I mean, I'm just thinking back to being uh, the idea of being a realtor and trying to get something like that out.
2: Spacious, historic home with lots of potential.
1: <laughs> you would not have I've to disclose it was a morgue, wouldn't you?
2: Oh, I think so. I would
1: think that that would be one of those qualifying... Events.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know because the people are already dead when they go there. So it might be a stigmatized property, but I don't know.
1: If you do a little research on your home or if you're new, I, you're, then your only potential buyers essentially are probably people who are not from the area. Yeah. Oh, I need a new home. Great. This is beautiful. Why is it so cheap? Yeah, it's just, It's a good deal.
2: It's just been on the market a long time.
1: Lots of people have come and gone to this building.
2: That's nice.
1: <laughs> you got to just, you know, find little ways of phrasing it to slightly off key so they don't quite grasp what you're talking about. Good story nonetheless 855-853-4802 is our phone number if you want to share a real ghost story with us as we get closer and closer to Halloween please give us a buzz or you can write in through the website realghoststoriesonline.com something on the show you want to talk about today do so up on the message board on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com if you're not in the EPP yet you like the show you want it to keep going then please consider supporting it five bucks a month is all we ask we give you a bonus episode every single week we email that directly to you uh, and uh, you also get the knowledge of knowing you're keeping our show alive. So uh, check that out. Uh, or you can do the yearly option, 60 bucks a year, and then you're in for the full year, man. They just keep coming to you. So please uh, support the show if you enjoy it. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.